This is the Date Night Podcast with Amber and Kurt. Hi, honey. Hey, Amber. How are you? I'm really cold. It's cold outside, yes. Now, I don't know when this is going to come out, but when we're recording this, it is literally 75 below zero. (laughs) That's a slight exaggeration. Changed my mind. Um, I think the weather app would change your mind, sweetie. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, I'm good. I, I hope you're good, too. I'm good, yes. So, are you ready for the for our news segment? Yeah. I'm in for some news. Okay. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so a woman from New Hampshire, this is from the, the AP press, by the way. Okay. Woman from New Hampshire takes a trip to Italy, okay, okay? Um, comes back from Italy with her luggage, and she had bought like $3,000 worth of holiday gifts. From Italy? From like Italy, London, Paris, like she, she was in Europe for a while, spent like $3,000, okay? Natural. You know, she comes, she gets home, she opens her luggage, and instead of finding the nice leather coat that she bought and, you know, all this stuff, she found dog food. Say that one more time. (laughs) She found dog food? Dog food, an old t-shirt, and shaving cream. (laughs) (laughs) In her luggage? In her luggage. So, someone... Took her luggage, okay. went through it, and swapped out the contents with dog food and a t-shirt and shaving cream. I have a lot of questions. Do you know any answers? Um, n- no, not really. I, uh, I have so many. Do you want to? Do you want to say any? Do you want to ask any questions of yourself? <laughs> I mean. I, there, there's a lot of uh, logistical questions that I have, uh-huh. but you know. What, what would you do? What, what would you do if you, you, you remember that one time we went to Europe together and bought $3,000 worth of gifts? <laughs> <laughs> you remember that time? Uh, no, remind me again. What, where, <laughs> no. where exactly did we go that here? Did, none of that happened. Yeah, no. What, what, would, <laughs> what would your response be if you opened up your suitcase and found dog food and a t-shirt and shaving cream. <laughs> uh, I mean, I laugh because it wasn't me, but I can imagine I'd be pretty upset. <laughs> but I laugh because it's not me. I want to know what was on the t-shirt. Like, was this like a Def Leppard t-shirt? <laughs> you think there's a t-shirt that would be worth, like, they think they swapped out evenly? <laughs> yeah, it's not a filler t-shirt. It's like a... Like an IOU, basically. Like, uh, I took your leather jacket from Italy. Here's my Def Leppard t-shirt. <laughs> it's from 1986's tour. There's only two of these in existence. I think that's... I mean... Do, do you think that's what they were doing? Just swapping out evens, evensies? It, it, I mean, it could be. I I read the shaving cream bottle, and I instantly think Jurassic Park. With a, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I wonder, did they check to see if there was a hidden compartment in the shaving cream bottle? Full of embryos of extinct animals. <laughs> extinct. 
I mean, so, maybe she ended up with more than three thousand dollars worth of <laughs> holiday gifts. So I'm not gonna lie. When you were describing this, I I assumed the shaving cream was already outside the can. But you're telling me this was a can of shaving cream. Yeah, shaving cream bottle. Which ironic. Like, can you even fly with a shaving cream bottle? Uh, probably. Well, I would assume. Well, if it's in checked, if it's a checked bag, you can fly with anything, right? I don't know. I mean. I think if it's checked, you can fly with anything. Well, there you go. Because it goes through extra security. For the third chair, we don't travel much, <laughs> obviously. And when we do, we definitely don't check bags. I think checked bags go through, um, like, added security. They get x-rayed and stuff, like, when you check it in. Right? I, I would assume. It, well, it would have to. Since 9-11, it would have to. Yeah. Huh, that's interesting. I, I yeah. So I okay. Mm, lots of questions. Yeah. Was the dog food in a bag or like? It doesn't really say. It just says it was replaced with dog food. I imagine it's a suitcase full of dog food, like just, not in just a bag. the kibble just of <laughs> just dog food kibble. Just loose kibble. Yeah. <laughs> loose I mean, kibble, Def Leppard, and Jurassic Park shaving cream can. I that. You know, she she could be making out on that, you know. Yeah, I, I would encourage this woman, if I was sitting here talking to her, I would encourage her to try to find the bright side. If she's got a dog, she probably just got free dog food for a long time. Uh, at, at least a couple bags worth. I mean, it's a suitcase. I mean, they don't they don't say how much dog food she got, so, you know. I, I like to imagine, just as you describe the scene, I like to imagine that they put this stuff in there so that when she grabbed it, she would go like, oh... It's oh, got, my stuff's still in here. Well, yeah. I Like a weight, like an even weight. Like the scene in Indiana Jones where he's got the skull thing and he yeah, pops yeah. the bag onto yeah. the, yeah. one of those. Yeah. Which, okay, one of the questions is, you know, the logistics of how this all happened. We've had friends that work at airports. Yes. And, like, they have to, like, move it when they're loading and unloading and, like, how would this even happen to where nobody noticed them swapping out contents of a suitcase with dog food? Oh, I think everybody noticed. I think they're taking their pick, right? Oh, you, you conspiracy. You think, think there's a whole a, ring. This is a group job, yeah. Oh. I, I, think, I think somebody got busted and, and they had to, uh, they had to, like, bribe their compadre their coworker, with the italian leather jacket maybe maybe i don't know well maybe maybe we'll learn more maybe the ap will give us an update <laughs> we can only hope we can only hope so honey this is all i have to say that happened Okay, so moving on to our middle sub, middle portion. Segment? Segment? Segment. Whatever. Um, we, I thought we could talk about the Enneagram this time. Yeah. And uh, kind of the, what the Enneagram is and, and the impact of the Enneagram on us. And um, so yeah, so for the third chair, the Enneagram 
is a personality test um, and like kind of system. So according to the Enneagram Institute, um, the person who put the Enneagram completely together was a man named Oscar Icazo. Sorry if I messed up his name, but he's from Bolivia and he started teaching this in the 1960s. But the, the origins of all the different pieces that he used for this um, assessment um, goes back into ancient wisdom traditions um, like mystical Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Taoism, Buddhism, ancient Greek philosophy like Socrates and Plato. So this is like, it's somewhat new in the presentation of it, but it's a lot of different parts and pieces from other um, kind of ancient historical um, yeah, traditions is what the Enneagram Institute calls it. So this person, so the Enneagram is a personality assessment and it divides into nine types and those nine types are split into three ways, um, an instinctive center, a thinking center, and a feeling center. And so these nine types, the thought process is that everyone um, basically has a dominant personality type. Uh, so everyone kind of fits into one of these nine kind of broad personality types. And there's a lot of nuances that happen within those personality types. But um, yeah, the, the thought is like you have your genetics play into it, um, how, you know, your, your um, how do I want to put like growing up. Your, your formation. Your formation, yeah. So you have that all kind of influences your assessment and, and kind of what type you fall into. Um, and then, so you have a dominant number or type of the nine, and then you have what are called wings, which complement and adds elements to your total personality. So it's not like you're in just this one single box. It's a, it's a conglomeration of multiple things. So can I, can I ask a question? Yeah. So you talked about it being part kind of genetic, part sort of biological, but also part uh, first formation of mm -hmm. what, what type or what pattern of behavior we fall into most mm -hmm. dominantly. Do you know, as you were looking up, is there any thought as to when, when like most of us are establishing our dominant pattern or type? Um, from what I've read, it was like it starts at birth and it just continues to develop because you have tendencies towards certain um, personality types. And then like from a genetic standpoint, from and then as you um, experience your environment and um, go through your formation, then they... Um, then they become more honed and more distinctive. So early, early. Early, yeah. Yeah, You and like you can kind of take on multiple dominant ones, but eventually they'll all kind of process through and you'll really get to one 
primarily dominant personality type. And, and this is not like, hey, this is the pattern of behavior or the type I want to live into. This is primarily happening to us from yeah, a formation like, standpoint. This is not like, yeah. this is not like us saying, here's who I want to be and how I want to behave. Right. This is, yeah. Right. This is kind of, kind of fundamentally core things. Um, and yeah, like you can, you can try to become more like a different personality type, but it won't, it won't feel right and it'll feel really forced and it won't feel um, like, I don't know if I want to say content, but it won't, it just won't be right. And you'll just, it, it, it's like putting on something that just doesn't fit. Right. So, right. yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. So there's, like I said, there's nine types. And do you want me just to read through the titles of the nine and then we'll go through them? Sure. That? Sure. Okay. So these they're all really they're all just numbers which is kind of nice um but then they all have little kind of side titles so uh type one is the good person or the reformer type two is the loving person or the helper type three is the effective person or the achiever uh style four type four is the original person or the individualist uh, type five is the wise person or the investigator. Uh, type six is the loyal person or the loyalist. Type seven is the joyful person or the enthusiast. Uh, type eight is the powerful person or the challenger. And type nine is the peaceful person or the peacemaker. So um, you, there are like quizzes like Enneagram tests that you can take that will help you determine um, what you are. And, and to be clear, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Okay. This isn't like the BuzzFeed quizzes. Like this right. is this is a legitimate like like scientifically researched type yeah. test. Like yeah. these are not just a oh click on Facebook quiz. Yes, Th these are legitimate. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, yeah. So. So those are all the, uh, the kind of the titles of the nine. Um, and Kurt and I, we took this, um, well, the date on my test was 2016. So we took this a while ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I printed off my test results because I still kept them. And so we took this in 2016, which is a ways away. Do you remember why? uh seminary wasn't it yeah so I, I had to do this um I, I had to do this as part of the seminary process and it's so interesting that that this is like only a year into the seminary process I would have imagined that this was further down the line but yeah so I, I had to do this process and like really lean into this process um in in some seminary coursework that 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 required me to sort of do some of my own self-work and to to raise my own self-awareness um, of, of how I show up and, and how I sort of default. Uh, one, of the, one of the ways that, that we talk about the Enneagram is that these are also like patterns of behavior. So from like a pastoral seminary perspective, we had to do the work to try to figure out 
what our kind of default pattern of behavior is. And uh, it was really formational for me. I'm, I'm assuming I'll get into that more in a little minute in a little bit. But yeah, I remember you taking this too, and that being um, a pretty good for both of us. Yeah. So, um, so there's different like within each type, you can say that there's kind of this range of healthy to unhealthy. Um, kind of person, I not necessarily personality, but it's a range. And so the more healthy you are as a person, um, and, and this isn't like physical health, like you have no illnesses. Um, this is more like emotional and mental health. Um, so these will manifest itself differently based on how healthy you are as a person. So they'll show the, the, Kind of traits and characteristics show up a little bit different based on on your own personal um, emotional and uh, health from that standpoint yeah and and the important distinction here is that um you know kind of traditional thinking about people um is is to say someone is good or bad and the the enneagram and this this idea of range of health and spectrum of health doesn't ever associate a good or bad, right? Mm -hmm. um, one of the famous examples of this is Bill Cosby, right? Mm -hmm. Bill Cosby, mm -hmm. yeah. um, at his at his best, at his most healthy, is like America's dad, right? And and, and like, yeah, caring and loving. And at his worst, he, or as gosh, see, even I do this. Mm -hmm. But at his lowest health, mm -hmm. he's a predator. Mm -hmm. and, and so the Enneagram would say that, that it's a spectrum of health and unhealth and that even, even someone like Bill Cosby can ro rove within, right. within the spectrum yep. in and out of health. Yep, yep, yeah. So with that kind of general background, um, I have a, a, just a brief description of each style so as you as you listen to us see if you can if you have never taken the Enneagram see if you can find what uh, what Enneagram you are and we'll we'll reveal what we are <laughs> we will we will um, but I also have a list of like famous people um, that for each for each number to help see if, see if you can see, spot the about the commonality i love the famous people like <laughs> so one of the <laughs> one of the first warnings that we got in seminary was don't assign people numbers and we're about to do that um <laughs> like, like so so for the third chair you and amber and i we are not our numbers right we are not ones twos three yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and trying to assign someone to number is never a good practice but i do love I do love the celebrities <laughs> and I, like fictional characters. Mm -hmm. I, I love that stuff. So, yeah. sorry, go ahead. Okay, so type one, the reformer, the good person, right? So these, these people tend to be attracted and value like goodness. Um, they, they kind of seek to make the world a better place to live in. They want to realize all their potential and help others to do the same. They set really high standards and goals. Um, they really struggle to meet those goals because they set their expectations so high. Um, but yeah, like they are kind of 
really super high moral standards for um, themselves and and they want others to do that too so so are you ready for the list of famous people for ones yeah I, yeah. I can see your notes and I really hope you mention one and if you don't I'm gonna mention it because <laughs> I love it so yes please go ahead okay so this is obviously not a comprehensive list these right. are these are just some that I picked out um, and they've likely not taken like right yeah <laughs> yes so there there is a bit of an asterisk on this yes. Um, but this came from the Enneagram Institute information. So, for ones, Michelle Obama. Oh, oh. Jerry Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. Osama bin Laden. Oh. Dr. Jack Kevorkian. Oh, yeah. Mary Poppins. And Mr. Spock. <laughs> <laughs> I love these lists. <laughs> So those are all examples of like the reformer, the like setting the standards, super high, you know, uh, trying to be that like morally upstanding person, but really struggling. Yeah. There is something super fascinating to me to think about Osama bin Laden and um, Jack Kevorkian being the same, having the same pattern of behavior, the same primary pattern of behavior as someone like Michelle Obama. Mm -hmm. I, I love this, like, love. Like, I'm super fascinated at this idea of health and unhealth. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. like at their core, Osama bin Laden and Michelle, ba or, uh, Michelle Obama um, share the same desire for, like, justice and rules mm -hmm. and black and white and good and bad and order and structure. I, I just love the the psychology behind that so yeah i'm glad that you included those yeah there's a lot of psychology on mm -hmm. that one so okay so so type two the loving person the helper okay you ready for this list yeah so so the helper they're um they're generous they're people pleasing they are attracted to love um they seek to make the world a more loving place harmonious um, in all of their relationships, um, you and I know a couple of twos, and we do. And like you talk to them, and you like they look into your soul, and you just want to just pour your heart out to them because like they personify just like this overwhelming, like oh I love to just sit here and be with this person because they are just they just make you feel like they totally like you are the only person in the world when you're talking to them love and care on a level that i just can't even fathom yes yes so let's hear it ready for this yep dolly parton <laughs> ann landers monica Lewinsky. oh that's so interesting richard simmons okay kenny g <laughs> and stevie wonder Okay, do you think Kenny G's on the list because he plays such smooth <laughs> woodwind okay, love? Okay, so it's, it's funny you say that. I don't remember which one, but one of them listed Journey songs <laughs> as a number. Uh, I should have written that one down. No. <laughs> okay, some of the, like, I would love, we don't have time, I'd love to talk through the Monica Lewinsky stuff. <laughs> but, um, but, like, Kenny G, come on. I, I think you're just basing it on his, like, smooth jazz. Jazz, is that what he plays? 
jazz. Yeah, I, I don't know what he plays, but yeah. awesome. Okay. Okay, so type three, the effective person, the achiever. Um, they're really driven. They're efficient, industrious, competent. Uh, like they value competence. Um, they want the world to be more effective place to live. Um, they love to bring projects to completion. They love to accomplish goals, work effectively. Um, this is a quote, recognizing that the cosmos is an orderly, harmonious system. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's threes. Okay. Okay. Ready for these? Yeah. Oprah Winfrey, Lady Gaga, mm. Taylor Swift, OJ Simpson, Will Smith, mm. Tom Cruise, Lance Armstrong, and Tiger Woods. Lance Armstrong. Mm. Yeah. The success, like success driven. Yeah. Like it's all about the self image success. A affirmation comes from results. Mm hmm. Yep. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. I, some of these names just really like hit. I, I'm sure the third chair is probably not feeling that quite like we are. But <laughs> yeah. You said Lance Armstrong, like, ooh, that Yeah, if, if you don't, if you uh, don't know the Enneagram, I strongly encourage you to keep looking at it. But anyways, moving on. Type four, the original person, the individualist. So they are attracted to originality, authenticity, individuality, artistic expression. They want to be sensitive. Um, they want to make the world more beautiful. Um, they're kind of um, honoring uniqueness, connecting with the world, like fours. Um, they're expressive, dramatic. They can be temperamental. <laughs> do, do we have I one of these living? Feel in our house? like maybe our daughter is a four <laughs> in reading this. May maybe. <laughs> <laughs> not more confident than uh, I'm not more confident of anything else in my life ever. <laughs> yes, yes, our daughter feels very much like a four. Bless her heart. Okay, so a list of fours: mm -hmm. Amy Winehouse, okay, Johnny Depp, Angelina Jolie, Florence Welch from Florence and the Machine, okay, Bob Dylan, and Stevie Nicks. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I always think like. Artist, actor, singer. Yeah, and that's pretty much what you got there. The uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was, a, <laughs> that was <laughs> very northwest <laughs> Iowa. What you just did there. <laughs> you betcha we're you gonna betcha. go camping. <laughs> After we're done with this enneagram, we're gonna go camping in Minnesota. Sorry. Go ahead. Mm. All right. Moving on. So you don't make fun of me anymore. Type five the wise person or the investigator. So these uh, people value wisdom, learning, knowledge. They want to understand the world. Um, they they want to know like how things work, the nature of things. Um, they're real perceptive, innovative, but they tend to be a little bit more reserved um, and kind of isolated. Because, like, they're in their minds a lot. And so when I read you this list, it will make sense. Mm -hmm. Ready? I'm ready. Albert Einstein, Vincent Van Gogh, Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg. Jodie Foster, 
And Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So sixes, they are the loyalist, the loyal person. So clearly they value loyalty. Um, they want to make sure they honor their commitments. They keep their word. Um, they, they are very much like follow through at all costs, right? So some loyalists are Mark Twain, Malcolm X, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, Jay Leno, Ellen DeGeneres, uh, George Costanza from <laughs> Seinfeld. I, yes. I think that like yes. embodies it really well. Um, Frodo Baggins from Lord of the Rings. Ooh. And Jennifer Aniston. Hmm. Have I yeah. mentioned how much I love the fictional character examples? <laughs> it's like, yes, it's pretty great. Okay, seven, the joyful person, the enthusiast. They value joy, variety, excitement. They want to make the world more delightful. Um, they're having fun and being positive. Um, they're very spontaneous, distractible. I feel like we're also describing our daughter. That's true. I do feel like some of that. <laughs> Good point. I, maybe yeah. she's seven. Yeah, I've, it's debate yet. Okay, so some famous sevens. Mozart, Amelia Earnhardt, Oh my goodness! I knew I was gonna do that. <laughs> she, Amelia Earnhardt, is a race car driver. <laughs> Earhart. I knew I was gonna do it. Joe Biden is a seven. Joe Biden. You know who else is? Sarah Palin. No kidding. Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I feel like I get that. Robin Williams, and Jim Carrey. I I feel like all of those make sense to my understanding of seven, except for Joe Biden. Yeah. Joe Biden was listed as a seven. Huh. So I'd like I don't to know, know more about that. I'm not, yeah, I found that kind of interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, so, okay, moving on. The eights, they're the challenger, the powerful people. So these people are, like, they want and are attracted to and appreciate power. Strong, independent, um, very assertive, um, they value um, the equal distribution of power. Um, yeah, but it's all about power for an eight. And again, this really makes sense. Fidel Castro. Mm. Martin Luther King Jr. Oh. So, so, so eights are also into justice, right? Which is mm -hmm. Martin Luther. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Saddam Hussein. Mm. Jack Black. Jack Black. Barbara Walters. Okay. John Wayne. And Donald Trump. It makes sense. It, it like, makes sense. They all, it's like, oh, yeah. I, I love the opportunity to get in. Again, I said this already, but I love the opportunity to think about people not in good and bad, but health and unhealth and spectrum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So eights are, you know, like challengers. They push. Okay, so nine peacemakers. They're easygoing. Um, they really value like peace and harmony, unity. They don't like conflict. They um, enjoy being 
calm, ordered. Um, they are confident that the events are in their lives will unfold as they should. They don't see the reason to like push against things. Um, they just kind of roll with the flow. So nines, Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> General Colin Powell, Homer and Marge Simpson. Homer and Marge both? Yes. Mm. Walt Disney, hmm. George Lucas, Whoopi Goldberg, and Mr. Rogers. Hmm. <laughs> I, I looked up some of this same list, and I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I feel like of all the of all the patterns and all the types, I have most questions about how they've identified these nines. Yeah, that I don't know. But that's just <laughs> that's what the Enneagram Institute says. All right. You know. So. So yeah. So then. So this personality type assessment is can be can be more than just this uh, um, kind of social thing. Um, there's a Christian perspective that you can take that you can apply with it, um, and there's a book Kurt, that you had the Enneagram: A Christian Perspective by Richard Rohr and Andres Al. Ebert, um, and they had some other fun perspectives on on these types that I want to go through before we reveal what our types are. Can, can I say something about the Christian perspective? Yes. Um, so I, I think it's really interesting that there there is a background like in Christian mysticism with this, right? Mm -hmm, that there mm -hmm, there is mm -hmm. this sort of um, use of, of these patterns way before this was a secular thing. Mm -hmm. I, I think maybe what I want to say before I, before I like let you go here is that the Christian perspective of this imagines that all of these types, all of these patterns of behavior encompass God, that God himself or God, God's self, um, uh, possesses all of these patterns and types in, in, in God's being mm -hmm. and that each of us then operate with this pattern of behavior and then all together as the body of Christ we all encompass all of these mm -hmm. types together that mm -hmm. as the body then we possess together all of these patterns and types that God possesses so each of these patterns is essentially an attribute of God that, that we as image bearers possess which kind of uses the the imagery that was it Paul that writes about the body of Christ like yeah we can't all be an ear. We can't all be a foot. Right. You know, and the 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 eye can't say to the nose, right? You know, so we have these different personalities, and everybody contributes something completely different. Yeah. And like to have, you know, your community of all nines or all sevens right. is just not going to work. You have to have this variety, yeah. and you can you know you can obviously see it in a lot of workplaces. But speaking specifically to the church, like even in your leadership, you can't have all fives or right. all, you know, like, can you imagine having all eights? No. You know, the power struggles yeah. that would happen. So, yeah, like this beautiful picture of, of you need all of them to be complete and whole. 
because God, that's that's how God's, yeah. God Himself is. Yeah, uh, well, one of the earliest ex- one of the earliest experiences I remember with the Enneagram is I, I had a classmate who who is going to remain nameless, who who operated and and behaved and and just thought very different than I. Um, uh, very uh, introspective, very thoughtful. Um, took a a lot of time to process and a lot of time to think. And I I remember before the Enneagram in in classes with this person, think, thinking to my, I'm going to be vulnerable thinking to myself, like, man, this person is just kind of weird. Um, like what, what takes this person so long to think and to process just, just answer. Like, like I remember thinking, gosh, this person is just not. I remember there were times that you voiced some frustration. Yes. And yeah. And, mm-hmm. and going through the Enneagram, there was this, there was this realization of, 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 oh, this isn't weird. This isn't good or bad. This is exactly how God created this person. Mm-hmm. And, and there was almost an immediate like flip in my brain to, to think, to, to appreciate this person, to appreciate mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. this person showed up and how this person processed, realizing that, that, that I don't, I can't. Mm-hmm. And, and she, and this person can't do, she can't, oh, I just said she, this person can't <laughs> process like I can. And th- there was almost an immediate realization when using this tool, the Enneagram, to, to think how beautiful it, it is that this person and I are, in fact, quite different. Yeah. And and for me, too, like, it, it gave me a little bit more compassion for others. Um, when I was, you know, whether it would be leading a, a group of some type or at work or, you know, you're, you're working with these people, with different people and, you know, they process the world differently. I mean, even with my kids, I've, I've been able to say, yeah, my kids see the world differently and it's not right or wrong. It's completely maddening sometimes because I don't understand it. Yeah. But it gives me a little bit of compassion of like, oh, like without, you know, we kind of reference how our daughter kind of um, flip-flops between two of the personalities. Like, it's like, oh, without people who just see the world for joy, you know, like. Look at what you're missing. Yeah. Like, she sees things that it's like, oh, my goodness, I would have never, never looked at that. Right. That way, or you know, it doesn't cross my mind to just skip down the hallway because yeah. that's how you walk down the hallway. Is you just skip down the right. hallway, you know? Like there's just so much joy coming from her yeah. that I go, oh, I don't see, I don't see that myself, yeah. and it's really cool. I, I think what feels so beautiful. Let me just say one more thing, and then I'll let you go into your types here. I, I think what's so beautiful is to think that that joy that causes our daughter to skip down the hallway. It's beautiful to think about that as an attribute of God. Yeah. And, and our daughter yeah. is is an image bearer of God that, that bears the image of the attribute of joy from God. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. if, if we do like we always do and surround ourselves with people that are just like us, how, how else are we going to see these attributes of God in yeah. people that bear the image, that bear these attributes? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just think that's super beautiful. I, I know that the Enneagram isn't, primary isn't exclusively christian right but i think there's a really great a really great perspective Mm -hmm. yeah for that yeah 
Yeah, that's really cool. So I have a few more fun facts on each of the yeah. Enneagram types that um, I think the third chair would probably appreciate as well. Give it to them. Um, so I'm going to go back through each of the types. So we gave you the famous person, mm-hmm. right? So there is also animals associated <laughs> with each type. There's countries, like overall country. Okay. And colors. <laughs> and then there's one more, but we'll cover that in a minute. Okay, so are you ready for this? Uh, bring it. So do you need me to remind you what each type is, or just, can I just say Yeah, maybe, maybe just say one reformer. Okay. Okay, so ones, the reformer. So their animals are the yelping terrier, <laughs> ants, and bees. Okay, those are very different. <laughs> their country, Switzerland. Okay. And their color is silver. <laughs> I I hope the third chair is more artistic and more of a four than I am because I don't understand any of these. So this this is all information again that came from the book The Enneagram: A Christian Perspective by Richard Rohr and Andres Ebert. Which is really great. If you want to know more about the Enneagram, you should read that one. Yeah. So. This is where I'm getting this. So just so you know, that's where these are coming from. So on the twos, the loving person, the helper, they are a cat or a donkey (laughs) or licking puppy. Okay. Okay. So lovable. (laughs) Some listeners might disagree with you on the cat part. (laughs) Or the licking puppy. Yeah. Their country is Italy. Huh. Like the, the like, oh yeah, come on. You know, like everything's good. Come in. You know, huh. the big... The emotive... The big, you know, Italian huh. families and... Well, you, you know a lot about Italian families. I do. And, Don't you? Can you tell? Just messing. <laughs> and their color is red. Also Italian. Yeah. So there you go. Threes, the achievers. Chameleons, peacocks, and eagles. Their country is the United States. Yes. And their color is traffic light yellow. I love Richard Rohr. <laughs> I don't get any of the colors. <laughs> I saw some of these today. I love Richard Rohr. The colors make no sense. It like it kind of like like the um, achievers like you they look at me type of thing. Traffic sure. light yellow, you know. Sure. Okay, fours are the individualists. Uh, a dove, a basset hound, and a racing horse. <laughs> oh, and oysters. I don't know, Amber. <laughs> Their country is France, and violet of the hollyhock is their color. <laughs> the, the, these don't reflect the book necessarily. It's so, but it's so much fun. Okay. <laughs> Are you a seven? Uh, five, the investigators. So they're an owl, a fox, and a hamster. <laughs> Great Britain is their country. And blue is their color. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Keep going. Sixes uh, are the loyalist, the loyal person. They are the hare, the wolf, the German shepherd, and the rat. Mm. Germany is their country, and beige brown is their color. <laughs> <laughs> Sevens, the enthusiast, the joyful person, uh, monkeys and butterflies, 
Ireland and Brazil, and green. Green, okay. <laughs> Eights are the power. Um, rhinoceros, rattlesnake, tiger, and bull. Spain, and black and white. And the nines, peacemakers, elephant, whale, and dolphin. <laughs> and any country before civilization. <laughs> <laughs> or Austria. <laughs> Good day, mate. <laughs> Not Australia, I Austria. Know, I know. That was a fun joke. And the color gold. Hmm. Okay, so one more time. We're going to go through these one more time. This time, I'm going to give you the character from the Bible. Yeah, yeah. To associate with. <clears throat> to see if this helps explain anything if the country didn't help you or the color. So ones, Paul. Paul was a one. Twos, Mary Magdalene, Martha, and John the Disciple. Oh. Oh. Threes, Jacob, Esau's brother, mm -hmm. Jacob the Deceiver. Pilate and Judas mm. were threes. So mm. the achievers. Yeah. Fours, um, Joseph, that was sold into slavery by his brothers. Uh -huh. Isaiah, Hosea, Jeremiah, and one of the mistresses of King Solomon that wrote poetry. I, I <laughs> read through that about four times, and I was like, hey, okay, all right. Uh, fives, Mary, the mother of Jesus, mm. Thomas, and Zacchaeus. Oh, Zacchaeus. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's super fun. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. That we, we are full nerd fine. mode here. You we know totally that, right? are. Okay. Yes. Keep going. Yes. It'll all make sense once they find out our numbers. Anyways. Uh, one, of, one of our numbers. <laughs> for a six, Timothy and Peter were sixes. Seven, King Solomon and the rich young man that asked Jesus what he must do to eat to inherit eternal life mm. would have been a seven. <laughs> These are so much fun. Eights would have been Miriam. Uh, was it, She was Moses's sister. Uh, Deborah the judge. Hannah. Samson. King Saul and King David were all eights. Mm. And nines were Jonah. Nines, yeah. Jonah. Yeah. So, that's a lot of groundwork. It's a lot of groundwork. To get to the point in which we reveal ours. Yeah, can I, can I say one more thing? <laughs> sure. I, I, I think I've said, can I say one more thing at least six times. At least, but you know, that's okay. So, I still love you. so we've, we've got some friends that have done this um, and have said, hey, I took the thing, I took the, the assessment, and I didn't think it was right, so I, I did some reading, and it turns out I was a different type. My plug here is to spend some time thinking about the Enneagram. Find a find a website that is going to co it's going to cost you ten bucks to do it, but do some reading too. The mm -hmm. best way to mm -hmm. figure out what personality type or what pattern of behavior you primarily fall into is to to do some reading. This, this book by Richard Rohr is really good. And, and mm -hmm. honestly, reading through the types, uh, Amber, I don't know if you would agree with this, but when I read through my type, it's like, 
No doubt this is the type. Yeah. So you don't even need to do the, the assessment. You'll know if you read it all. If you read any of these types at all, yeah. you'll know. So Yeah, that's I, I remember the first time that I took the test and read through the description. I was like, yeah. Because at first when I read the title, I was like, no, I don't think so. And I started reading the description. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Yes. Like, how do they know? Yes. How do they know? Exactly. How do they know? That was... Yeah, for sure. And I even reread some of the information today, and uh, it was like, oh, yes, yes. So, yeah, that's. So, you ready for. Are we ready to reveal what we are? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I'm ready. Born ready. So, I am a five. I. Yeah. I am. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. They're so anticlimactic. <laughs> well, why don't you? Well, because you're still thinking about it. <laughs> I'm still analyzing. Why don't Why don't you share for the third chair a little bit? Why don't you share like how how that what that looks like for you? Like what what is a five pattern of behavior? Like what what does that look like for you? Like what what signs of that do so, you see? So for me, when when I took the test, saw that it was a five, read through the description, and it was like, oh, this this explains so much for me. It helped me understand kind of the uh, kind of understand some of my reactions. So like when I get into a confrontation or in a debate, I will get to a point where I'll shut down. It's like I reached the end of my rope and I shut down and I, I never quite understood why that was. But as a five, I have to process things internally. So where other personalities process out loud and they, you know, they talk through things and as they talk through things, they understand things. As a five, I couldn't do that I can't do that. And so it was like this kind of aha moment of like, oh, I'm not, I'm not wrong. I'm not broken. I just need time to process this. Like you're like, I'm getting new information. I need time to step back and process it. So now that I know that I can be like, hey, I need some time to think about this. I can't give you an answer right now let me process it. And so it was just kind of this aha moment of like, okay. Am I hearing you say, you? we've not talked about this. Am I hearing you say that before you understood this, had this level of self-awareness that you were maybe trying to figure out how to process like everybody else? Yeah. You know, because when you're, when you're in a group of people and you feel like you're different, you go, oh, I'm the odd man out, so I must be wrong. I must be different. And fives tend to be a little more isolated. Um, Like, (laughs) I was reading about the story of Zacchaeus, and, like, it was breaking, the, the kind of commentary I was reading about it was like, yeah, Zacchaeus, super smart, climbs a tree because he doesn't want to interact with the crowd. He doesn't want to be pointed out, but he wants to observe 
fives are really great at like observing and taking in all sorts of information. And so here Zacchaeus is, he's in a tree because he can see and he can observe, but he doesn't have to be drawn in. And then Jesus flips it all on this on its head when he, he singles Zacchaeus out. But like this thought of like, I'm not like how I perceive and take in the world is not wrong. It, is it different? Yeah, it's different than, you know, a five or a nine or a three. And that's okay. And so I it allowed myself to give myself a little bit of grace and compassion. And it in some ways gave me a little bit more confidence of like, you know what? No, I don't have to process like everybody else. And that's okay. You know? Yeah, culturally speaking, we we as a Western society have a model of what normal is. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and and when we don't fit in that, we think we're wrong. Right. Right. I'm I wanna say to you, I think there's since we've done this together, there is an amount of thoughtfulness that you bring into everything that I just so appreciate. That that I just cannot possess. So yeah. it's it's not wrong or weird. It's beautiful. And it's the way God made you. Yeah. And 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 we see it some in our son, right? Like his processing and like, and so us understanding our um, processing um, helps, helps, like, helps us to teach him how to be okay with saying, yeah. I need time. I need time to think about this. I need yeah. time to process this, right? What do you want to say about your wing, if anything? Um, so, yeah. My, so, I have a, a six wing. Um, so, I tend to be, um, like, so the sixes are, are loyal. So, um, like, I, I tend to, like, in... in group projects and and in groups you know stick with it stick with um following through on my word um and i uh sixes tend to do like be a part of causes that they find worthwhile and yeah so again that really hit home and so again that's understanding like i'm not just a five like there's a lot more elements than than just a five that go into this. So, yeah. Do you want to say anything about, we, we haven't touched at all about the idea of like peace or, or a state of peace or a state of re relaxed or, or a relaxed state or a time of conflict or a time of stress. Do you want to say anything about what that means or what that looks like or what that is for you? Yeah, so um, when I'm in stressful situations or when I'm feeling like high amount of stress, I tend to go towards a seven, um, which is the joyful person. So um, I, I look for kind of that silver lining, if you will, um, in the stressful situations. But then when I'm like relaxed and calm, I go more towards an eight, which is the power person. Um, 
kind of asserting dominance and asserting confidence um, in a less stressful. So again, like, so my core, um, my core identity, my core personality trait is a five, but I also have six, seven, and eight uh, playing into that. So it's it's not just a single dimension; it's multifaceted on that. So. Yeah. So what what else do you want to say about your about your enneagram types? Um, for me, like this is it has. It has been eye-opening to do research and to, to um, yeah, to understand kind of how how I work and process, which kind of seems weird, like you should know how you do. But again, I think that's some of my five coming out of like I I want to understand why do I why am I ticking the way I tick, you know, so that's just been interesting and, and really helpful to give myself grace and compassion and be like, yeah, this is, this is an attribute that I have and it's okay. And you know, I'm this like knee jerk reaction. It's totally fine. So yeah. 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 So do you want to share yours? Sure. After break. After, after a quick break. <laughs> All right, so we're back. <laughs> Thanks to the third chair, we're still uh, trying to figure out our equipment here, so we had to take a short break. So we're back. Um, yeah, do you want me to? Yeah, it's your turn. Share, share away, my boy. Oh boy. So I am an Enneagram Nine. Uh, I am a peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I value more than anything harmony and unity and relationships mm-hmm. and this so, so this plays out a few ways like I, I I feel like well both of us have done a significant amount of self-work to understand how how we operate what our patterns are but I think um, you know on the on the really positive side of, of being a, a, a nine or, or possessing these patterns is I think I'm pretty good at like getting people together and getting people to um, to, to, to kind of row in the same direction and mm-hmm. I think there's value in that I, I think on the on the less healthy side of things um, yeah I, I, I think I am I'm often really quick to give up my own needs or wants for the sake of unity or peace of either a group or other people and you know a lot of this work around the Enneagram really like overlaps with our work and faith walking mm-hmm. I don't know if you would yeah, agree for sure um, but w- what I find oftentimes is um, uh, you know as I defer my own needs for the sake of others usually that comes from a place of of fear of, of like if, if I don't maintain harmony or peace people will withdraw from me with withdraw relationally. So, Mm -hmm. so there's a pretty broad spectrum of, of of how I experience being a a nine, but, but again, overall like peace and harmony and unity is really where I find myself exerting most of my energy. I, um, I think it's been really helpful for me 
to know that that those are kind of your your default personalities of like giving up self in order to maintain peace because you know as in marriage conflict arises and when you know there's conflict and you just say okay nope that's fine and you just kind of drop it I'm aware of like okay like we're we're defaulting because we there's a fear there yeah and so it helps me say okay like let's pump the brakes let's you know figure out you know give us the space to be able to say hold on like yeah. don't just give up of yourself on that so yeah. it's been really helpful yeah. from our marriage of like understanding where we're coming from when there's conflict or you know whatever the situation may be yeah and you know i think that some of the work i've done is to understand like nines tend to be tend to be lazy um nines tend to say um you know if 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 i can't do this if i can't accomplish this if i can't achieve this why bother right if if i can't if I can't maintain the unity of this group, why bother? So I'm just not going to do it. Oh, right? interesting. Not doing something is better than failing. Um, oh, and, and like that's a broad statement right? that sort of ebbs and flows with health and unhealth. Right. right. I, again, right. that health and unhealth changes sometimes even daily. Right. But, but nines in general, we, we kind of find ourselves saying, oh, man, I, I'd, rather, I'd rather not try than fail. Because failure then also messes with unity and peace. Hmm. If if I have to deal with your, if you have to deal with my failure, that's not very unifying. Interesting. Right? So anyway, that's just stuff that I, I learned. And, and I find that to be true. Like, I, I don't know what you hear when I say that, but there are times where I catch myself, like, like wanting to just sort of distance or withdraw mm-hmm. and say, mm, I'd rather not let someone <laughs> down. It really, yeah. it's I'd rather not let someone down. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. really failing. But anyway, that's sort of the spectrum. I'm an eight wing. Um, and, and just tonight, uh, I, <laughs> I realized what this is. So before we started recording, um, you and me and our son, we were, our, we were debating on what constitutes flying for birds. <laughs> Because we were debating whether chickens could fly or not. Can a chicken fly? D- does a does a chicken using its wings to help it get over a fence is that a jump or is that a fly? And what? How long does a bird have to maintain altitude before it's considered flying? So, my eight wing, as much as I love peace and harmony, I love arguing. Yes. And debating. Yes. I love it. Yes. And and honestly, so I, I feel. Mo- I find myself feeling really connected to you when we're debating. And I and I don't love debating Correct. because I don't want to have to think I can't think on the fly as right. fast. Like you're going to give me all this information. I need to I need time to process what you just told me. Yes. So tonight <laughs> when we were talking about the chicken and how long like what constitutes flying, I love it. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt so relationally connected mm-hmm. that I just wanted to ramp up to 11. Mhm. And as I'm ramping up to 11, loving it, feeling mm-hmm. connected, like eights will find connection in conflict or debate, mm-hmm. like relational connection. 
I could tell the two of you fives were like ramping down to zero. <laughs> yeah. So weird. anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. that all that to say, it's helpful to be able to use that language together. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but that's how my eight wing works. Um, I, I also like I can tell sometimes I can be a little controlly or a little power oriented. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, there are times where I can feel that in me liking liking control. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all kind of like control, right. but. Right. I can, I can feel some of that in me sometimes. Um, in, in times of peace, I, I go to a three, I, I'm an achiever. Um, you know, I, the efficiency, the, the getting stuff done when, when I'm in a time of peace, like I can, I can really get into a groove and get stuff done and achieve. I mean, I think I'm probably on the, I think the Enneagram language is less resourceful, mm-hmm. unhealthy yeah. side. Yeah where I, I usually equate that to some sort of achievement and affirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in times of stress, this is super helpful. I, just in prepping for this tonight, I think found it super helpful. In times of stress, I go to a six. And and there's sort of two sides to a six. Um, so there's this loyal side, but there's also this like fear side. Mm-hmm. Where sixes are primarily, like they're they're primary like temptation is fear mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and and i i don't know but as i was doing i don't know what you think but when i was doing this research like times of stress i fear we use the word fomo a lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like i yep. i can really fall into this like fear that something isn't going to be right something isn't going to go well um and, and all of all that that brings mm-hmm. so yeah, so I go to a six in times of stress, but so that's that's me. Um, again, like I, I I'm pretty aware that I ebb and flow a lot between mm-hmm. health and unhealth. Yeah, yeah. Based on situations, but um, yeah. yeah, yeah. What else do you want to say about the enneagram? I was going to ask you the same thing. I I, I think for us um, doing this. Uh, personality uh, testing and and kind of coming up with this not only helped us individually but it helped us from a marriage perspective because then I could understand where you were coming from and why you responded the way you did in certain situations of like oh you know this is why you respond and and then it helped me understand like, oh, this is why I respond. You know, this is why I get to a point in a debate, I shut down. Like, so I think it was, it was really helpful and insightful and gave us kind of some, some launching ground of understanding um, each other and understanding ourselves. So then we can have a better marriage because we're understanding like what, what gets us to tick. Yeah, um, you know, I, th- I think what's true is um, self-awareness is, is never bad. Like, like, we can't have too much self-awareness. And, okay, for the third chair, um, our date night, we, we have a kid awake. So, <laughs> so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go alone here for a minute. But um, the, the, the idea that, that, that we can't be too self-aware, that there's no level of self-awareness that's 
is bad. So uh, to know about myself and to know how I respond, but then also to, to be able to have some framework where we could talk to each other uh, about how we respond. I, I remember really clearly um, early on in our marriage um, where, where I want to debate and I want to talk and I want to keep going and just process verbally and externally because I'm a verbal processor. Amber's back now, back. third chair. Yes. Amber's back. <laughs> um, sometimes our date nights get interrupted, but that's okay. So, so I remember very early in our marriage, I want to debate and I want to sometimes even argue and verbally process and like fix things and get stuff figured out and have a solution. And I remember Amber, you would, you would shut down. And, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking like, gosh, this is weird. Why can't Amber just talk? Mm-hmm. And, and I remember not being very gracious to you. The Enneagram has given us the framework, given me the framework to be gracious to you, to, to, mm-hmm. to realize that, that you are different and I'm different. And, and what we construe as normal is not normal, that your patterns of behavior are beautiful. My patterns of behavior are beautiful. They reflect the image of God, the way God made us. Mm-hmm. And as a married couple, there's just so many benefits that we've seen from being able to share the framework and the language together. So yeah. I can't plug it enough for couples mm-hmm. or even people that work with us, just in general. It's just, just gen- really, yeah. really yeah. good. Because, you know, you don't even, you don't necessarily have to know exactly what everybody's number is, but you can usually have a pretty good idea if you are familiar with the the descriptions you know you're working you know you're at work you're in your cubicle or wherever you know on the factory floor and you have these people around you or even your boss your supervisor um you can go oh this this would make sense if he was a you know an eight or a three or a five or you know and it just gives you a little bit of context and a little bit of understanding compassion compassion yeah of of why they approach situations the way they do or you know yeah normal and weird and good and bad just go away yeah yeah right yep yep so yeah well thanks amber for bringing that today yeah yeah that was fun Now is the fun part of what you're reading. Wait, the other parts weren't fun? Well, yeah, they were, but this is this is another fun part. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, the segment's what you're reading or what you're listening to. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go first. Ha! Um, I just finished a book called Love Anyway by Jeremy Courtney. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Jeremy Courtney is the founder of preemptive love coalition um but this is kind of his story um of how preemptive love came about and um and kind of his journey through some some uh kind of crazy situations but he lives um he has lived for a number of years in the Middle East, um, doing a lot of like frontline um, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like um, aid and relief in um, like ISIS war-torn countries. Um, they are typically um, the first, if not the only aid relief that enters in some of these areas. Um, and some of them are active war and um, kind of battle areas. And so this is kind of his story of how he ended up there with his wife and kids and, and what they do. Um, and this question of like, um, they started out asking the question, you know, saying, love first, ask questions later, and then um, how their kind of mantra went from that to just love anyway, like no matter what, love anyway. Um, love will always win out, even in the face of great danger. And even, you know, and so, yeah, it was just super interesting to read um, kind of this frontline first person take on being the hands and feet in a you know extremely dangerous situations and how as you know this western culture and western church how we say well how how could you possibly take your family in here and be in this in this situation um and this response of like love anyway you know that's what we are called to do and that's what we are to do and you know to live is gain to die is christ right like so yeah so this was a super good book love anyway um by jeremy courtney i would highly recommend it what uh what 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 hits you I, I know you, I know your heart, I know how you're wired, but maybe for the person listening, what, why does this hit you? So um, one of his, his um, kind of part of his thing is trying to end war. Mm. Um, you know, war is, is never the solution. And over the last few years, number of years, you and I have had a lot of conversations about um, war and pacifism and, um, and, and the, all the different facets that come with that. And so he, he has this approach of like, you know, let's, let's end war um, and ending it while on the front lines of war. Um, and he also uh, kind of approaches the the situations with not only a love anyway mantra but also like picturing the world as what it could be mm. um not not with well it's always been this way and that's just the way you have you know you have to go with it because it's the way it's always been and they're like but but there's a more beautiful thing that's coming through the new heaven, new earth. But as as we Christians bring the light of Christ and and walk closer with God and and shed his light on others, we make the world a more beautiful place and mm. we make just that glimpse of heaven uh, just a little bit closer into the world that 
we're in right now. And so it doesn't necessarily have to wait until the second coming. It's more of like, we can, we can work. We, granted, we won't ever be 100% successful. It's not, you know, possible without Christ, but we can imagine a more better world and each, each action that we take individually will impact that. And, um, yeah, so it just makes you kind of evaluate, like, your just everyday life of, okay, how, how am I changing my mindset from, well, this is the way it's always been and this is the way it's going to be, to I can imagine a more better place, a more beautiful place, and, and, and uh, just a, a brighter impact of that. So. I think that's pretty dope. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sitting here looking at this book as you're holding it. There's a quote on the top of the back of this book. Can can you just read it? Because I think it's pretty awesome. Which one? This one? Oh, yeah. So the quote is, For all who are displaced, for all who are weary of the way things are, for all who long for a more beautiful world. Yeah. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. it's a It's a really intense read. Like, it makes you makes you take some some uh evaluations of yourself so yeah cool thanks for sharing yeah so what are you reading what you reading um i'm not reading anything if you remember the last episode (laughs) i just got done with an encyclopedia (laughs) a 900 page encyclopedia and uh just a look behind the curtain we're recording this fairly quickly so i have not I'm actually in the middle of Insider Outsider, the Brian Loritz book that you that I, reviewed yeah. last time. Yes. Not review. You, sh- I you shared. didn't review it. You no. shared it. <laughs> I'm actually in the middle of that, and you already shared it, so I can't. It's really good. I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot, but um, I'm listening. I, I listened to a podcast that I want to share. Um, the podcast itself, I, I, we listen to it a lot. It's called The Holy Post. We listen to it a lot. I'd recommend mm-hmm. it. It's mm-hmm. Um, by Phil Vischer, if you know VeggieTales, he created and, and wrote and did the voices for VeggieTales. Um, but pretty pretty commonly in, in the Holy Post, he and he and his partners will critique the church um, f- from within that, like they are a part of the church, and they will often critique what they see, and mm-hmm. um, and then then the other part of their podcast is they'll highlight someone part of a part of the church that is functioning really well and is doing mm-hmm. really good things mm-hmm. and they'll do an interview well one of the one of the last episodes they 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 received some feedback that um that they um the the feedback was that they as a podcast are um you know that they're not pastors that they're not shepherding people they're not leading a, a local church um, they, they're outside the local church, sort of critiquing the local church. And the feedback that they got was, well, that's that's actually a pastor's job. That the the mm-hmm. pastor, the mm-hmm. local church pastor, should be the one shepherding and discipling and, and calling out parts of the church that that need to be called out. Mm-hmm. I I've been thinking about this a lot the last week as a pastor of a local church. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think the conversation around this, I don't remember the episode number, but it's it's 
it's there. You'll find it if you listen to it. Um, I, I just find it really intriguing. I've been thinking a lot about this, and, and I think where my thought goes is who, who is called to be or who is being the prophetic voice of the church, right? Mm-hmm. We, you know, we, uh, we live in a time where there's a lot to call out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't remember if we mentioned this, but pretty prominent political figure, you know, has recently said that, you know, Jesus's words about turning the other cheek just haven't gotten us anywhere. Like this is heresy, mm-hmm. right? right? This is flat heresy. Mm-hmm. And, and someone like we have to, the church needs to call this out. And mm-hmm. currently the church just isn't. But we have to, yeah, we have to remember that we are the church. We, we are the church. So, mm-hmm. so I think, you know, I, I think what I, what I'm listening to is, and wondering is like, what, what is my role mm-hmm. as local church pastor? Right. And, and especially when, when these things that we talk about, so this podcast calls out things that are happening on a national level, mm-hmm. not, mm-hmm. not at a local community level. Sure how how do we how do I as a pastor how does any pastor name and call out the the heresy right. in, in in that case the heresy right. or or with grace and love how, how do we call out the places where we're, we're not living we're, we're not fulfilling the call to love God and love others I mean even the quote you just read about those who are weary of the way things are like Man, I hope we're all pretty weary of the way things are. Right. Yeah. So, so how, who, who, who is most equipped to faithfully, with grace and love, ask the church, "Hey, are we weary of the way things are? And and if not, why not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, we live in a pretty broken time where, I mean, forget about all the heresy stuff. Like, I mean, we're all heretics on some level. Right. But, um, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we had National School Shooting Day. Right. Like, I think, right. like, you and I have named multiple times. We're pretty weary. Yeah. Like, come Lord Jesus. Right. So, so where's the, profi- like, who, who are these podcasters who are sort of, you know, yeah, standing sort of outside of the local church? Like, are they the prophetic voice? Our, our local pastors, the prophetic, like who, yeah. who, who should be doing this and who's best equipped to do mm-hmm. this. So, yeah, I mean, it, then kind of mixed in with all this is like, you know, preach the gospel. The gospel is the one story that never gets old. I mean, you talked right. to her, like the, like, like the, the kingdom come is the most beautiful story we had to tell. Yeah. yeah. So how, how, how do we even balance? Like, let's tell this beautiful story and and call out the the ways that we're falling short. I, that feels like the the challenge. Yeah, but. yeah. So that's what I'm listening to, and it just maybe hits me a little different, just because I because I think I just feel this desire to want to shepherd well, to lead well, to 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 name to name the ways that 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 God calls us to more to yeah to the more beautiful. Yeah, yeah. But. So that's what I'm listening to, the Holy Post. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Thanks for letting me. Yeah.
Does this wrap up the episode? I think this is it. Woo! Thanks for hanging out in this long episode. This is really fun, Amber. <laughs> yes, yes. Thanks for staying with us.